If you have been asking if healing is real, stick around and find out that healing is for real. And we don't mean maybe. My name is Tony. And I am Zin. And we are two witnesses and representatives of the miraculous gospel of healing. Good evening and welcome. Boom. <laughs> and bam. I'm Tony Myers. And I'm Zin Pierre. And this is the Miraculous Gospel of Healing. Oh, and this yeah. month, we are de dealing with the end of times, which mm -hmm. is a misnomer mm -hmm. from the religious people to get you into fear. Yeah. That's why, even though it is very easily proven, it's the end of the age, not end of times. The, end of the, the religious, pharisaical presence on this earth <laughs> continues to use end of times to continue uh, to sell their functional truth. Bam. <laughs> Well said. Nice and concise. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is our topic. This is another topic. Because as, as Holy Brother Tony said, we're hitting, we're hitting this a little hard with his, with his sledgehammer on the end time, the whole idea of the end times in the Western culture and the idea of the end times that you're working with. And one of the reasons why we're actually hitting this it's because the same principles that you're using for the end times, the same principles that you're using on your physical body. The same concept, foundational principles that the end times is based on, is the same principles that you use on your body, and some of you are struggling to actually be healed or to have sustainable healing. And one of the things that actually is that contributes to that is that what we spoke about last week, in addition to the idea of an upcoming judgment is one that is includes death and because it includes death a great deal of your convictions are waiting for death mm -hmm. and the garden law of the the garden law is every spirit reproduces after his own kind so if you're looking for healing but you expect death then technically what you're saying is that you are death you're going to reproduce death after your own kind. And healing is now exponentially more difficult because to be healed or to live in healing, one has to identify with life. That means if you identify with life, then the garden law com communicates that you reproduce life after your own kind. And therefore, death cannot be part of your paradigm because death thoughts death words and death action belong to a spirit of death whilst life thoughts life words and life actions belong to the spirit of life this is why jesus does not speak about death jesus wouldn't even say the word death when he is functioning in spirit he only mentions death because of one his what he what he was to, what he needed to do to fulfill scriptural prophecies 
And number two, just to tell the Pharisees who are still thinking about death that I'm speaking about death. <laughs> right? So it doesn't make sense. Now, when when we look at the garden, the, 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 the whole idea of end times, most of us are not taught the ancient priestly perspective of the Bible, which is based on the garden and God's name. We have been taught Constantinian Christianity that took the Bible, Constantine, by the way, was a Gentile. The majority, if not all, of your fathers, church fathers, were Gentiles, which means they did not have the knowledge of the Torah in their lineage. And Israel was even if 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 we, if we all remember, even when Peter was called to go to to Cornelius's house, Peter had it in his mind that he was not supposed to mix with Gentiles, not to speak to them, far less to enter their premises. And he arrived and told Cornelius that it is not lawful, which means if Corne if um if Constantine and the church fathers had the knowledge of the scriptures, Paul had no reason to be stoned. If he was the one introducing it, then he had the knowledge to introduce that. And then if it was something that Gentiles could understand, then Paul would have no reason to be stoned. Okay. Now, having said that, I, 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 I encourage you to reconsider your stance concerning what you believe concerning the end times because we have been taught Gentile interpretations of the book of Revelation. And the book of Revelation is very specific mm -hmm. to the God. Right? Now, just as a review, because, because we have, as Holy Brother Tony rightfully mentioned when we were speaking about this, we have been speaking about the God for some time. And so by now, we should have an idea that the Bible is about the garden and being in the garden. And your problem is being outside of the garden. So right now, what I need everybody to really consider based on the paradigm of the Bible is, is your understanding of the Bible outside of the garden or is it the inside of the garden? So just to keep it very brief, the garden paradigm started in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. Man makes a decision, changes his reference point, and makes his, his heart and mind desert. And the earth began to reproduce that after its own kind, after his own kind. Okay. Then we fast forward to Moses, who is called of God. He is told of God in, in Exodus 6 to, to, um, to identify with the name. God told him, say, I am Yahweh. Moses is then told, the representative of the man in the garden, he is then told to go to the serpent. Which, which is what Pharaoh represented, the serpent king with the serpent on his crown, go to the desert and tell the serpent to let my people go. Because Israel meant the ones who rule like God, like Elohim. And Israel represented the garden people. This is, was, this is actually according to what God spoke. When God first preached the gospel to Abraham, they, bega they became God's people. 
So he calls them out and he journeys to them. He journeys with them and he's taking them to the promised land. And the promised land is a physical representation of coming back to the garden. So you can see the whole Torah message is man was in the garden, man fell out of the garden, God took him back from the serpent and brought him back into the garden. That's the physical story that also has spiritual implications with regards to Yeshua, who then, who then comes, takes man from where they are, nail the identity that, that man took on, back to the tree that he got it from, breathed it out to the body, and resurrected humanity with the garden back into them. Let me throw this in there real quick. Sin is functioning from a false identity. Yes, sir. 100%. Right? Because that, that is what Moses calls sin. So for those of you who may, may struggle with these terms, I, I, I sure pray that this helps you out here. When Moses went up on the mountain, Moses went up on the mountain because the garden was on our mountain. When Moses saw what to build, it was actually God showing him what the garden that was on the mountain looked like. When Moses saw the back of God on the mountain, it was what the man in the garden looked like in glory. Moses comes off of the mountain and builds the tabernacle the tabernacle is also called heaven and earth. It was also understood to be the garden of Eden, which is why in the interior, especially, there was a lot of garden imagery. The, the menorah in the tabernacle represented the tree of life. The incense represented the, the, the prayers, which was, which was used for unto God. The bread represented the fruit of the ground that the man was supposed to be reproducing after his kind. Now, when Moses did this, Moses is the author of the word holy. He's also the author of the word sin in this context. He used the word holy to represent what the man in the garden was before he fell outside. And that was, holiness means to be one. It means to be exclusive to your spirit and your spirit alone. Sin, just as Holy Brother Tony just mentioned, is a term that Moses used to identify the person or the, or the identity that comes from not living from your own spirit. You're using, you're using external things to live from. or In, that, in other words, you are comparing yourself to creation. Every action of violence, hate, rape, um, murder, stealing, whatever it is, comes from external comparisons, according to the according to the scriptures, through the lens of the priesthood, because all of those things come from one thing alone. You have an external reference point, and when it is threatened. You do in desperation what you need to do to not lose it, which is where all of these actions come from. Even depression and all of the negative emotion that you feel comes from you having something that you use externally to compare yourself to 
you are not measuring up to what you have chosen to measure yourself by, and it equals depression. Anything that you experience that is not of the spirit comes from you using an external priority, which is what the Bible calls having a false god, a false Elohim. Now, when Moses brought his children out of Israel, the children from Egypt, and he brought them in, if you go to, if you go to, if you go to Exodus chapter 24, of the Bible, if I'm, not, if I'm not mistaken, Moses introduces the children of Israel to a covenant. A covenant that was voluntarily entered into. They had to read the covenant and agree. And so they did. They agreed. And so the covenant was between God and Israel. Anybody else hoped to benefit from those covenants, go to the book of Exodus again, read Exodus 12, and it shows for you to even be considered an Israelite or to be considered included in the covenants of promise, you need to be physically circumcised and ceremonially washed and come into their culture by cutting off. The physical circumcision meant that you need to cut off all of your life, not just your knowledge, but all of your life that you had before that moment, it was to be understood as serpent life. And you cut off the foreskin of the genitalia to represent taking off the skin that God put on the man outside of the garden to identify that he's living like an animal. Then you would ceremonially wash, go into the water and arise with the name Yahweh. And then you memorize the thoughts of Yahweh so you could reproduce Yahweh after your own kind even though there was corruption on the inside. You had to memorize it. I'm saying that is to actually go in the direction, a very important direction here. There is nothing in the Bible that is written to people who are not in that covenant. Wait a minute. Say that again. <laughs> there is nothing, no promise, no, no um, blessing, no curse, no prophecy that is written in that Bible that is not written to those who are in the covenant. It is not written, therefore, to anybody outside of the covenant. And the so it wouldn't be written for 2,000 years down the road either, would it? Neither. That is, that is illogical. <laughs> right? It's so it it is it is now for those of you who may be hearing this and right now it's short circuiting your your, your, your brain. <laughs> <laughs> I would like you to open to the book of Daniel. I'm not gonna open it here. I want to open it to the, in the upcoming episodes because in the upcoming episodes I need to draw some scripture references. You go to the book of Daniel, every end time prophecy that was preached to Daniel. It was said to you and your people. Which means circumcised people. So some of you are asking, why is the circumcision so important? The circumcision is what, what a signature is to you. 
in the bank, when you take a loan, or you make agreement with the bank, or you sign a contract, or you sign your employment contract, or you sign a, or you sign a deed, you sign for your vehicle, what a signature is to you today, physical circumcision was to the Mosaic Covenant. Let me say that again. What physical signature is to you today that confirms that you are part of that contract, that gives you a title, these contracts, even if you're renting, you sign a contract, anytime you sign a contract, you become a tenant. Your signature births the identity of tenant, and you have someone else that you're in contract with, which is called a landlord. You have, a, you have an agreement with the bank. The bank may be the lender. The moment you sign that, you become the borrower. What I'm saying is that signature is what validates that you are part of the covenant. Physical circumcision and the Mosaic covenant is what validates someone to be part of the covenant and to benefit from the covenant. The moment... You sign it, you, you, you were physically circumcised, you were called a servant, became part, you became um, a member of the nation of Israel, and you responded to Yahweh. Right? That means that there is nothing in the Bible that you can get without meeting the covenantal criteria. For me to use anything in the Bible and just say, hey, Moses said I'm supposed to get this and I believe God will give me this is the same thing as somebody seeing you have an agreement with the bank and saying that they deserve your money. <laughs> the bank, you have an agreement with the bank, the bank says, okay, I'll give you $100,000, whatever you may be doing. You sign a document, you become the borrower, they become the lender. Up come someone and say, hey, I believe God is going to give me that $100,000. And they try to go into the ATM and take out from the ATM your money. Because they believe God will give them, God give them $100,000 too. Did they sign the agreement? No. And for those of you who actually referring to the Old Testament, that's where you're placing yourself when, you do, when you're looking at blessings, curses, and so on. That's where you're placing yourself. You are trying to benefit from a covenant that you did not sign. That's that you point. had no part of. You have no part of it. And, for, and if you don't believe me, go to Ephesians chapter 2, read verses 11 and 12, where Paul says that you were uncircumcised called uncircumcision by the circumcision. You were, you, you, were, you were outside, not inside, outside of the covenants of promise, without hope and without God. And when we say without God here, we're not talking about God, was because we teach in the Western culture that God is separate from you. God, is ne God was never separate from you. That's, that's, that's a Constantinian doctrine yes. that never existed in the Bible. Number two, if what you're saying is true, that God, man was separate from God, 
then how did God speak to Nebuchadnezzar? Right. How did God speak to the one, one person who was not in the covenant that God identifies as, as anointed because the man resonated with God's heart to be equitable? Cyrus the Great, who rebuilt the tabernacle, who rebuilt the temple, sorry, rebuilt King Solomon's temple. There's evidence in the Bible that God speaks to people or God spoke to people who were not in the covenant. Being without God means that you did not have the name and you could not take on God's perspective as your own. So God is now speaking to you, but you wouldn't know because you don't know what type of thoughts that come to your mind that come from him. That is what it means to be without God. To see God face to face means to take on God's logic. Not to see him face to face outside of you. Take on his logic. So that your face becomes his face. And so you're face to face because you have his logic. <laughs> right? And finally, in this, in this, in this context here, if the, the book of Revelation we know there's no theological debate on the fact that the book of Revelation is a continuation of the book of Daniel. Because the same imagery that is seen in the book of Revelation is repeated in the book of, sorry, the same imagery in the book of Revelation comes from the book of Daniel. Everything from the Son of Man down to the horses and the beasts and everything that you see comes from the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation, if you read the book of Daniel, what we are calling hell actually is seen in the book of Revelation as a river of fire representing consuming fire that was coming from the throne of God to consume all knowledge of good and evil. And because that is spiritual, anybody who identified with that spirit shared that portion as well. Right? So not, not only that, but if you go to the end of Daniel, sorry, book of Revelation, first of all, remember, remember I mentioned that what was spoken to Gabriel by Daniel was said to you and your people. Jesus circumcised people. Okay. So as a as a Westerner, you have no right trying to take Daniel business and apply it to yourself. <laughs> I don't want to get too deep into it mm -hmm. because that's next episode, right? Right. <laughs> We have to stay on target. Right. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, that's next episode. Right, right, right. Nice. We will still we'll pause there for today. <laughs> Which is to say you're stealing our thunder for the third episode. <laughs> uh, almost stole it another. Thank you very much, Deborah. <laughs> well, you know, you know when I get into that to that zone, I that zone away. So <laughs> That's why I wanted to stop you before you got too far into it. Right, right, right. Because don't want you to steal our thunder for the third episode. That's going to be explosive. All right, everybody, you have a little, just a little taste, a little savory taste of what's up in the, in the next episode. And so I'm going to ask Most Holy Brother Zane, Sum up the garden. You got two minutes. In some total, what we're looking <laughs> at, in, in some total, what we're looking at here is the whole paradigm of the Bible starts 
as a garden in man. Man veers from that and no longer has it in him. God creates a physical garden for him to live in because that is what he was created to do, to build gardens, to build cities. God creates the garden and a city and then Yeshua comes and replaces the garden in you. The Bible is about the nature that God put in you and therefore Yeshua is the replacement of the New Jerusalem, that city in you that you're supposed to be establishing here. Which is the fulfillment of the promise given to Abraham that we've got to make him a mighty nation. And therefore, this is what you saw Paul and these guys doing, building communities all over the place to build a mighty nation. The entire Bible is about the garden. And the, 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 the garden that was placed there lost, replaced, and therefore, anything outside of that, you're actually listening to Constantine and Christianity. Perspectives that came from Gentiles that knew nothing about what the, what the garden is about. Jesus walked in power through that garden, through that garden understanding. And the reason why Westerners are not seeing power today is because you're not functioning from it through the garden. You're trying to function it through Constantinian philosophy. Drop the mic. <laughs> mic drop. Bam. <laughs> All right. So next week, in the next episode, we are going to get into, uh, it's going to actually be, of course, the book of Daniel, which mm -hmm. Brother Zane already hit on a little bit. Right. Uh, Matthew 24. And, and Revelation. And Revelation. It's going to be explosive. Let's see what this eschatology is really about. Amen. <laughs> be blessed. Be, be healed. healed. And, and be. be All right. Boom. <laughs> <laughs>